Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast with the Switch to Manual guys. And I'm Antonio. And this is episode 63. And it's the annual episode when I go onto the floor of the Photo Expo and check stuff out and bring it to you. Uh, I've got a few things to talk about uh, on the show floor. So uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the show. I know that we don't usually do gear. But, you know, maybe once a year I like to talk about the new stuff that's coming out and, uh, you know, make a make a trip to the Photo Expo in New York City at the Javits Center, walk around the floor and see if I can find some interesting vendors who are uh, perhaps showing stuff that we may or may not have heard about, you know, in the you know, in the in the photo news. Like so I'm not really going to the big photo booths like Nikon and Fuji and talking about their new cameras. I'm trying to find the smaller, uh, maybe sort of little obscure kind of uh, products that are available. This year, there were um, a lot more smaller vendors, but um, I, you know, I ended up focusing on some of the instant cameras that were coming out. So we all know about that. There's uh, uh, a couple different cameras from Polaroid. And uh, so I thought it was kind of fun to actually go talk to them. And uh, so uh, the the segment's going to be, I think, got about five different segments. Let me see. I'm looking at the business cards. One, two, three, four, five, maybe six, because uh, I was able to get interviews with most people. But uh, when I actually went to the Polaroid booth, uh, one of the Polaroid booths to talk about their new instant camera that's coming out, they they didn't want to actually talk on air. So I thought that was that's fine. Um, I just ended up describing what I was uh, seeing from outside the booth so uh, that I could share that with you guys because uh, it's kind of a fun new product that's coming out. Um, and, you know, if they didn't want to be interviewed, that's that was fine. That was just, uh, I was kind of hoping to talk to them about their new camera. So uh, it's going to be broken up into six segments. The show might be a little long. And if you're, uh, you know, not too much into gear, you know, you can you can think about skipping this, this show. But uh, there's some fun stuff, and I get into some... Uh, Actually, I get uh, into a quick uh, opinion uh, talk with someone who I had just met on the show floor uh, on, I think it was Friday, uh, who uh, my friend uh, Gene Mealy, who was on the show before, uh, introduced me to a friend of his. And uh, as I was starting my recording, uh, we bumped into each other and we had a little quick talk. So I, I decided to include that here. And um, let's see, I'll go through what we got first. Is that uh, the interview with uh, a little quick uh, opinion talk with uh, photographer Ken Shung? Uh, is up. And then um, we're going to be talking to a guy named Rich Gallagher, who is a, a PR guy for one of the Polaroid uh, branded uh, cameras that are coming out uh, called the Polaroid Pop. And then I uh, mosey on over to the other Polaroid booth and uh, give a quick description of what's going on there. And then I eventually make my way to the Lomography booth and I speak to uh, a gentleman, Christian Polt, uh, who's general manager of that place. And uh, we're going to talk about some of his, uh, one of the new cameras that's coming out through uh, Kickstarter. Uh, eventually I make my way to the the Skylum booth, which is originally the MacFun uh, software. They're going to be talking, uh, I'm speaking to uh, Mr. Kevin LaRue, who's the vice president. Um, and uh, we are going to we talk about the the new Luminar software that's coming out and uh, uh, Aurora uh, software, and also just sort of take on um, you know uh, processing your uh, pictures on your computer and what kind of software to use. Also, we're going to get a little you know hints at their new digital asset management software to uh, uh, actually compete with Lightroom. So that was a good conversation. And uh, then an interesting conversation I had with a Mr. Paul Russo of this place called My Case Builder. Um, it is a place where you can get uh, your um, uh, camera cases designed, uh, specifically um, uh, uh, foam cutout for your for your specific uh, cameras. Uh, it was an interesting little talk. It was on my way out, and uh, he grabbed me, and uh, I thought it was fun to like talk about some little new piece of equipment that, uh, or you know, something that actually protects your equipment. So uh, that's thrown in there too at the end, and then I'll have some final thoughts. So uh, I really hope you enjoy this episode. Like I said, it might be a little long. I haven't I haven't really checked out the length yet. Uh, I'll know that when I finish editing it. But uh, you know, I'm trying to do this every year at the Photo Expo. I think it's a little fun to walk around. And, uh, you know, get the switch to the manual name out there, have a good time talking with all the vendors and uh, really get into to some of the stuff that, uh, you know, most people may not hear uh, about in the photo news. So uh, here's my photo expo show and I hope you enjoy it. 
Hey, this is Antonio checking in from the Photo East Expo floor in New York City at the Javits Center. And I thought I would do a little another recording from the floor and seeing if I can find some vendors, some cool gear to talk to, talk to you guys about. But my, first, my uh, observations. I've only been here two days, and uh, I spent today's Saturday. And I spent yesterday actually with a couple of friends hanging out, so I didn't really walk the floor all that much, scope things out. But my first impression is that there's a decent turnout this year for the expo. They definitely opened up more booths than they did last year. I think I remember that they had closed off part of the section where there's a lot of the smaller vendors. And they uh, seem to be here this year. There's a lot more smaller booths here. And the turnout seems to be pretty decent in terms of the amount of people showing up. It doesn't look like it's, uh, you know, the, you know, overly packed, but there seems to be a lot of people here. And one of the things I've noticed is uh, there's a lot of instant cameras showing up. There are a lot being shown by Fuji. Yeah, I'm doing my podcast. Hey. What's up, pod? <laughs> just bumping into somebody I knew. <laughs> well, I just met. Around. You're walking around getting live content at the Photo Expo on the last day. Yeah, last day. That's probably the best time. Have you found anything that's... What's great? Hold on. Let me get your, your name right. It's Ken. For like an hour? Uh, it's as long as I make it. Oh, I see. Yeah. So what have you seen that you like here? Uh, I saw the movie Girls Trip. It was hilarious. At the show? Oh, no. That no, was no. I'm talking about the show. I don't, I don't oh. care about that stuff. Yeah. You know, you were, you know what movie I'm talking about? No, 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 no. Oh, what? You, you will die laughing if you ever saw Oh, no, no. i got to see that. Okay, but, but you were checking out the uh, the Fuji stuff yesterday. What did you think? Uh, I liked your camera. I didn't the, like uh, the camera I saw there, the big one, because it was too boxy in design. And I have a lot of respect for Fuji, but as far as uh, cameras, uh, I'm, I'm still like... Uh, dedicated to using like a great Nikon or... Possibly a Canon. You're talking about the you're talking about the Fuji medium format camera. Yeah, exactly. I feel like the Fuji medium format camera is not going to be popular with the professional. You don't think? No, I think uh, there's part of photography that uh, that has a sexiness, and the Hasselblad is a sexy camera. The Leica is a sexy camera. Um, so you think it's about the looks, like people won't buy it because it just doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't fit right. Right. As superficial as that sounds, yes. People care about the camera they use almost kind of like a, a designer bag. Like a status symbol. You walk around with it around your neck. And exactly. You know, if I walked around with a, a black M6 Leica with a 28 Summicron, people would expect me to be a good photographer, just prejudging me by that camera. Really? Absolutely. Like a... Uh, I think the people, it's a very common thing for people to say to you, wow, that's a, uh, you know, that, what a, pictures must be great, uh, you know, that, that's a, that's, that's such a great camera. But it's really not a, a, about the tool as much as it is everyone knows is about the person. But people assume that if you have a nice, beautiful camera, you must, your work must be good. You must take great pictures. I get that all the time. People are looking like, wow, that's a great camera. You must take great pictures. You know, it must take great pictures. I'm like, I'm pretty good at taking pictures too with right. what other camera. That preconception is never going to go away. Yeah. But you, you were looking at the, um, the other Fuji, the, the small one, the X100F, right? Yes, because I don't own a uh, point and shoot. I was ready to buy one and then the iPhone came out. You consider that Fuji a point and shoot? Anything that doesn't uh, have a clunky mirror that, that's kind of obvious is a point and shoot. How, why do you say that? Because it's just built into the phrase, you've got to point and shoot. There's no time for really uh, using that instrument in a, in a, in a high level uh, with a lot of uh, technology. I'd have to debate you on that. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, that's true. Because you can point and shoot with DSLRs. I mean, everybody's got automatic settings on the DSLRs now, and you can literally just take a shot. Yeah, I guess the word point and shoot, what I mean is it has to, point and shoot always has a connotation of amateur, uh, casual, fast, down and dirty. When I think of point and shoot, I don't think of something as, you know, a lot of times a series of photographers studies more. Right. Well, uh, 
I'd argue with that a little bit because there are pointing shoes and there are pointing shoes. But we could argue because it would just be semantics. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But um, see, what it is, the camera and the process affects how you uh, how you perceive uh, the photograph. Ah, okay. You know, if I if I come in to take your portrait and I walk in with an iPhone, you're going to think of me differently than if I walk in with an eight by ten deer dog. I, I, that I won't gonna, argue with. Gonna, There's about I'm look. I'm going to affect you. I'm going to affect the process because you already going to say, "Whoa, this is my take a while." So the unspoken thing here is that the um, the looks do count, like how you present yourself, what the cameras around your neck, how you're showing up to someplace. The camera is that tool that somehow gives you permission to control the the situation. When when because when you're doing a portrait, because I'm primarily a portrait photographer, at any given moment you could succeed or fail at that moment. I never met you. My my job is to to take a portrait of you. I've got five minutes, and in those five minutes, my first impression is everything that counts. And at that moment, I I could succeed or fail. It's 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 an exchange between two people, and I may not even be here because of the differential and dynamic and whatever, uh, except for this thing on a tripod between you and me in a room that's less than eight feet so those first 30 seconds someone you walk in and you're gonna make a difference yeah, you know maybe f three minutes if I had an assignment to photograph uh, someone famous for a cover of a magazine you literally do have five minutes sometimes you know that people have gone in with that and have taken shots of famous people with an iPhone. Like there was that series of, I don't know if it was Newsweek or Time magazine covers. Yes, I, I made a big, uh, I, I have a big issue with that and I made a big post on my Facebook blog about it. Got 80 comments. Oh, did you? Uh, oh, I'll have to I check actually, it out. That was uh, an issue that I really, uh, you know, made a stink about. And the pictures weren't, they were they were just okay. Well, I don't, I can't get into it right now on your, on your podcast because I, you know, I, it's it's uh, too long. All right, I'll try to post a link to that. But anyway, hey, can you tell our audience who you are and where we can find you? My name's Ken Shung. Uh, I teach at the School of Visual Arts. I'm a super talented photographer that doesn't chase anything that's not real and meaningful. Oh, thanks for talking to us. It was great. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, random find. Thanks. Take care. All right, that was Ken, uh, who I met yesterday through a friend, and. Uh, He's offering his opinion about the way cameras look. You know, that's an ongoing thing, I believe, that, uh, you know, people do wear the cameras around their neck and they want to be seen. Um, it may be an unspoken thing, but, you know, I'm walking around the photo expo here and a lot of people have cameras around their necks and, you know, so do I. Um, I brought mine also, you know, to take pictures for the, uh, for the posting for, of, this, uh, of this episode. But, you know, I, I do kind of admit that walking around with something around my neck is like, you know, everybody checks somebody out. You look at them and then you look down at the camera that they're carrying. You know, and this is a photo expo. Why, really, why would you want to bring a camera to a photo expo? Because it's like, you know, going to a food expo and bringing your spatulas, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of weird to do that. But uh, a lot of people here walk around with their cameras and uh, they, they have them out. And I think it, uh, it does say something of a status. So that, you know, maybe to be continued later. But uh, that was Ken Shung, who I met yesterday through my friend Gene Neely, who we've had on the show before. And uh, that was a nice little chat. So I'll make sure to, I'm, I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> and uh, we'll see where we can go from here. But I'm going to continue walking the floor and seeing if I can find anybody who would like to talk to me about their products. I'm going to try to find something new and fun and hopefully share it with you guys. So I will be right back. Hey, so this is Antonio. I'm at the Polaroid Digital Imaging booth talking to... Hi, I'm Rich Gallagher. I'm with the PR team for Polaroid Digital Imaging. And we're here today talking about Polaroid Pop. So what, describe what this Polaroid Pop is. So Polaroid Pop is a point, shoot, and print camera, which obviously you know and love coming from Polaroid. People expect it to print. Uh, but we're fully digital, too, because I think, you know, today's... T today's consumer really wants all the convenience that comes with a digital camera. So I'm going to walk over here. We'll take a quick demo. All right, we're going to take a look at this uh, very interesting looking camera printer almost. 
Right, so you can see here we'll go, you know, we can go right in here. And so I'm going to describe what I'm looking at. We're looking at sort of a rectangular, smooth cornered um, device. And, oh wow, <laughs> there's a shot of me. And there's a, there's a touch screen on it and it shows you, right now you just took a picture of me. And, and so we can go right to print, which you know you would expect from, from anything with the Polaroid name on it. But of course we are fully digital here, so we can play around with fun filters. Uh, we can do really fun borders here. And we will be pushing out new ones of these kind of seasonally and, and really just you know, keeping it fresh. Uh, we can even drop in you know, a fun emoji. So you can you can add all these effects to the picture, and then I'm looking at it, it's like a touch screen, so you can slide everything around. Yep. And so it's the same kind of gestures you would you know that that we all are quite accustomed to from our smartphones. So you know, pinch to zoom, you can rotate, all that good stuff. How many how many uh, how many photographs can this thing take? So on board, we can only store about eight, but. Uh, you can see right here where I load in my paper, we've got a micro SD slot. So you can put in an SD card up to 128 gigs, uh, which we're seeing about 6,000 photos taken at 20 megapixels stored. So wait, you just popped off the bottom and showed me two pieces of paper or something like that. What, describe what's the, what, what this is. So this is our Zinc Zero Ink Photo Paper. Uh, and so that we really think that makes us kind of the most portable printable because you can see these are, you know, there's no ink cartridge, all the ink is inside the paper. And so like, you know, here I'm holding 10 images and it's very nice and light. You can travel with a hundred of these in your pocket and you, you know, you wouldn't really be able to feel it. So this is not like the old time Polaroids where the processing is in the film itself. This is actually kind of being printed on the paper from the camera. That's right. So the, the kind of the miracle of zinc is um, it's, a, it's seven layers. So we've got kind of a back layer and a, and a clear coat and a white on top, but then you have inside four layers of crystallized ink that all surface at a different temperature. So what's happening in the camera right now is it's printing because it's flashing to each of those temperatures to surface the ink. So that's why it comes out. You can see with my finger here, it's completely dry. Um, we're not going to stop you from shaking it if that's your thing, but you don't have to. It's just uh, like the old days, right? That's right. <laughs> comes out completely dry and developed, so it's instant. And you know, you can see from my print screen, we can print multiple copies at the same time. You print up to 10. So if you've just taken a photo with you and three of your friends, you can go ahead and print out four, hand it to them, and then you've got that image stored on your memory card to print later, edit, whatever you'd like. And, and you can share to uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram right from my camera here. What is it got? Wi-Fi or Bluetooth? Yep. Wi-Fi enabled, and it pairs to the phone via Bluetooth. And then we also have our companion app here for iOS and Android phones. So if you've got an image that you took, you know, maybe you took it a year ago before you bought this camera, uh, you can port that over and print it out of here. Uh, and then also you can see in our companion app, this is how we're going to push, um, you know, new frames, new emojis, new stickers. Uh, you can send those to the camera from the phone. You can even order a paper refill delivery right from here. Okay, so um, explain to me how you're different than the other guys across the booth with a one step. What's what's going on? It's like two Polaroid kind of things going on. That's a really good question. So we're all part of the Polaroid family. Um, we are a licensee of the Polaroid brand. Um, their process is, you know, the traditional chemical Polaroid. Um, ours, you know, we're, we're digital and we feel like we're a lot more portable too. I think, you know, we're a, a smaller device. Um, you know, we don't have a cartridge. We have these small packs. So, um, you know, I think the, the biggest difference is we're really, we're really trying to blend kind of the, the best of both worlds. We, you know, we know people know and love that Polaroid, you know, three by four square with the border on the bottom. So we're bringing that, but we're also bringing all the convenience that, you know, everybody that's used a smartphone in the last 10 years really expects. So the market for this is a lot of just smartphone users, you think, would, would want to go to this as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, people that have a smartphone and are going to want a fun, you know, a printer and also have the fun of taking, you know, taking this on the go, um, you know, I think will be a, a big hit this holiday among, you know, kids and teens and tweens that maybe have never had a camera that prints in their life, but really enjoy taking photos and taking photos with their friends and having something to print. And, you know, I think we're, we're kind of, you look at vinyl records, moleskin notebooks, 
uh, you know, board games like Settlers of Catan. Like, there, there is this sort of return to analog for the things we care most about. And I think zinc, you know, the, the zinc paper and, you know, printable photos really helps kind of make that a reality. Great. So um, if I've got pictures on my phone, I can actually just send it to this and have them print as well, right? Yes, of course. And uh, if you're, you know, we're, we're here at a professional photo show, so... You know, a lot of pros are can pull their SD card right out of their camera, pop it in here, and print from that as well. So it's a great thing if you want to bring it uh, to a set or something like that and give someone a picture right away. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's funny because we're we're really in the market as a consumer device, but at this show, we've had a lot of pros coming up with these great ideas, saying. You know, I shoot a lot of weddings. I can put 10 of these on the tables. Guests can take pictures that they can, you know, take home and keep and, and give to each other. But then at the end of the night, the bride and groom can have that SD card and, you know, pop that in for when they're making their photo album later on. Um, same thing with fashion. I think we've had a lot of people coming up saying, this is great because I can put together my lookbook of just what everyone's wearing. And then I can pull out my, you know, my expensive professional camera and really take the photos that I want. But then at the end of the night, I can give the, the designer this and say, okay, these are all the looks we showed. And, you know, it's almost like baseball cards then where you can say, okay, these all worked, we'll use these on the next show, and we'll get rid of these ones that didn't. I like that. So can you give me an idea of what this is going to cost? Yes. Um, it is $199.99 for my camera, and our photo paper here is $9.99 for a 10-pack. So we're about a buck an image. Um, but again, you know, you're saving everything to the camera, so you really are only printing what you want, um, which we think makes it, you know, a lot of fun, and I think, you know, we're... we're we're pretty cost effective as far as, you know, the dollars per image for all the printables you're seeing at the show. Is it available now? Available now, yeah. We're at meetpolaroid.com um, and Amazon, B&H, uh, Best Buy, Walmart, and Target. And uh, tell me your name again. I'm Rich Gallagher, and I'm with the PR team for Polaroid Instant Digital. Rich, thanks so much for giving me this time uh, on my podcast. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for coming by. Thanks. So right now I'm at the uh, Polaroid Originals booth and I did ask if they would uh, want to be on the podcast and I actually got declined. So that's actually interesting, but uh, I'll see what I can do on my own. The Polaroid Originals is attached to the Impossible Project and they revamped the Polaroid name and they're bringing out all the instant cameras again and right now they're showing off their one step two and it is the uh, reincarnation of the original Polaroid one step and basically it's a boxy shaped camera with a lens and a flash and you stick in the instant film and you get one of those square pictures that you all knew and loved um, and I'm actually at a distance of the booth right now, so I can't actually, I'm not going to go actually speak in the booth right now, since they didn't want me to podcast, but I can describe what I'm looking at. And the camera's white, beautiful. It looks like the, uh, you know, kind of looks like the icon to Instagram. And I know Instagram copied the, uh, the sort of the design from the Polaroid One Step. And what it does is that it, it gives you the option of using two different kinds of film. There is uh, the film pack that comes with the camera. The camera can use the original 600 film and it can also then use the what's called i-type film. And the i-type film is uh, Polaroid film that does not have the battery built into it. The uh, 600 film has the battery in it, meaning that on the old kind of Polaroid cameras, the in order for the film to, to be spit out of the camera, the camera was dumb. It didn't have any power in it. So it, when you stuck a new pack of film into it, that had a battery. And that powered the camera to uh, be able to fire the flash and then spit out the film. This new camera has a battery built into it. So they are offering the ability to use this new film that does not have battery built into the pack. What that does is it actually makes the film a little bit cheaper to use since you don't have to install a battery. And uh, what else? Oh, well, because you can use the other kind of film, why would you want to use the film with the battery than without the battery? Well, there's two different styles of film. The, the 600 film that's being sold has different color borders and I think a black and white version as well. Actually, there is a black and white version of the I-type film, I, I film as well. 
So in case you wanted some additional, you know, sort of accoutrements to your final uh, photograph, you can use the less expensive uh, iType film in this camera. Uh, I really want to get one of these for my for my birthday. Apparently, they're, he said that they uh, are oversold, meaning that there's a backlog on them, so they're selling really uh, a lot through their website, although they said you could get them through Urban Outfitters. Uh, they were available in that store. So, uh, I don't know, maybe if I want to get one, or someone get one for me as a present, uh, they can go into that store and buy it. But uh, they said that whatever is uh, coming out now is going to be Whatever's being ordered now will be shipped out uh, no, in the middle of November. So it sounds like it's actually a, a good, good sign. So uh, I'm not. I'm curious why they didn't want to talk on the podcast, but you know that's fine. You know everybody's got their thing that they want to do or not want to do. But uh, it's a research. It's definitely a resurgence of the um, Polaroid name and certainly the Polaroid style. Um, their booth seems pretty busy and. Uh, it's a nice looking camera. I really want to get back into shooting the uh, instant pictures just for my own projects or whatever I want to do, slow down a little bit. Uh, I know the cost per, I don't know what the cost of the film is. I didn't ask him and I didn't ask about the cost of the camera, but I'm sure it's probably in the range of a dollar per print, maybe maybe more for the for the film that is uh, that comes with the battery in the pack. but. Um, it's not bad, you know, you really get to pick and choose the kind of pictures you want. It's totally a manual camera, of course you have no control over the uh, shutter speed. You might have some control over aperture or focus. You might have to take a look at the camera a little closely. But uh, I'm going to just leave it at that. It's a nice little booth, uh, lots of vibrant color in it. And uh, I wish them well. I, I really want to buy one of these for myself and, uh, and see what happens. And if I can make it over to... Uh, uh, Fuji and get them to talk about their Instax, I will, um, but don't count on it, the, you know, the bigger companies, I really don't want to spend too much time with the bigger companies, I'm just hoping the little companies will talk more, but that's my report about the Polaroid originals, again, taken from the Impossible Project, who uh, I think bought the Polaroid name, and uh, re you know, revamped the, uh, now they're revamping the hardware, so it's nice for those people who want to get back into the nostalgic of uh, Polaroids. Okay. Uh, that's, in, that's me talking about the Polaroid originals. I'm at the Lomo booth at the Photo Expo, and who am I speaking with? Uh, my name is Christian Bolt. I'm doing the general management for Lomography in North America. General management, all right. So I, <laughs> I got someone up there. So um, Lomo's been around for a while, right? Tell me a little history about you guys. Well, actually, so happy that you asked because Lomography is turning 25 years now in November. Really? Congratulations. Happy birthday. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. And, you know, it all started um, as like this snapshot um, company in 1992 in Vienna, Austria. And, yep, changed a lot, I would say, from this crazy snapshot art, take your camera everywhere you go, don't worry about any rules, movement to the company that brings um, new innovations to the analog manual photography market every year. Let me ask you this question, because I've been thinking about this for a little while, but like all the now with the digital cameras and on uh, the iPhone and Android doing filters, do you think that's like an homage to uh, the Lomography? Um, actually, because I mean, like, Lomography came first before the, yeah. before the cameras came. It's actually, I would say, the other way around. So we, our customer base is very young. So we are, they're like, I don't know, in the beginning of their 20s or around 20 year old. And they are coming to our store in, in Manhattan and asking, wait, I wanted to know where all these filters are coming from on Instagram. And then we explain them, it's film photography and it's cross-process slide film. And there is red scaling to like spool the film the other way around. So I... I, I, I guess it's an homage, but it's it's also good marketing for us after all. <laughs> okay, so um, just to let the audience, you guys who are listening to me, know that I backed uh, a Lomo project on Kickstarter. I, I, it popped up in my news feed somewhere along the line. I went and checked it out, and it was uh, an instant camera that you guys are coming out with. And so, can you describe it to me? Um, well. We already had two other instant cameras before, one in 2015, one in 2017, and this year we had the Lomo Instant Square, which is making use of the um, Fuji Instax Mini Square film, which was released earlier this year. 
and it will be a great camera. We have we got the first prototypes. It will feature all the um, functions why Lomography is loved, like double exposures, long time exposures. It will come with color gels that you can slide over the flash. Um, it has a remote control again, not in the landscape this time, but uh, also attached to the camera. And it has a glass lens, which means it will give you a razor sharp photo on the um, very, very well done Fuji in six square format film. So describe this thing to me. I'm looking at I'm looking at a prototype now, right? Um, I, We're at the wrong booth. We got, we got to go over there. They're having fun. <laughs> no. Um, uh, it, I, it's a f it's, I guess it was inspired a little bit by early Polaroid cameras. Mm -hmm. It unfolds to make the photo, so it looks very nice if closed, and you can carry it kind of handy, like like an SX70 almost. Right, right. I and I see when you open it up, and it's got a bellows it on up, it. It has bellows inside. Um, you focus right on the lens, and it's like like a rangefinder or a zone focus actually from. Um, 0.8 meters to infinity. So this is very manual photography. It's super manual <laughs> photography. So like, uh, also the viewfinder is more like a uh, help helps you to guess the photo. Um, you can do double exposures, though, as I said, and long time exposures. Um, the only digital is it has a frame counter. The frame counter for the amount of the, the pictures that are left in the film. Right? Now it's empty, so that's why it's blinking. So does this uh, this require a battery? Are you getting the battery from the film? Um, it requires a battery, and it's two CR2 batteries. Mm -hmm. And uh, l let me ask you, you got a flash on it as well, right? Yep, flash is right here. So when you're going to take a picture with the flash, the camera knows that you, the flash is on, and, and, yes, and it compensates correct. for it? It has totally exposure control, so it changes the aperture. It's either f8 or f16. Mm -hmm. um, so you get a nice lot of depth of field. So you get a nice depth of field. I said it has a glass lens that helps too, um, and so it also adjusts the strength of the flash. So it, it's it, with that camera we learned that from the last year's camera, the Lomo Instant Automat. It, it works very well inside and outside in bright sunlight as well in like um, artificial inside bulb light. So you'll have a lot of fun with that camera. So what, what prompted you guys to come out with this camera? I mean, I see a lot of Instax cameras here, but what, what's, what's the uh, driving force behind this specific one? For this specific one was that actually Fuji didn't come out with a real camera, in quotes, since the first Fuji square camera is like a hybrid of the, that takes a photo, but then exposes it digitally to the film. You're talking about their instant cameras, right? They're in, they're in, Instax. Their Instax square camera in particular, which, as I said, is not a real camera, or it is a camera, it takes a photo and digitally exposes the photo on the Instax film. So it's almost, like a, it's almost like a printer, in a way. It's almost like a printer, correct. Um, and we at, at Lomography, we thought, no, that's not what people want, actually. You want to actually expose camera. right onto the yeah. film itself, yeah. Yeah, um, and also on people, I feel like, like to experiment and like to try different, like to be the boss of their camera, let's say it that way. So this was successfully kickstarted, right? It was successfully kickstarted. We are currently working on the production already, and if you backed it, you probably get it earlier than you would expect from I backed it so, <laughs> so not not Christmas right but probably sometime early next year actually we hope to fulfill some still before Christmas really okay so there's a chance I might get one there is a chance <laughs> but don't take me for granted right here so this is now going to be available for sale um, um, you can pre-order it on lomography.com obviously Kickstarter backers will get it first then we fulfill the pre-orders and then it will be available on from stock how much does it cost um, I honestly don't know. Okay. I think it will be either $199 or $249 or $299. So a pretty reasonable price. Yep, there will be different models too. So there will um, there will be some price point for everyone. Oh, they mean different uh, models that use the same film? Or? So what we do, it's the same film. It will come in different colors. And what we usually do is some of them will have real letters. Some of them will have um, vegan letter, as you say. Okay. And, um, and that will be a price difference as well. 
And what's the what do you think the co what's the cost per picture roughly on this? Is like with the insects film? Um, I think it's it's still like a dollar a shot or a dollar twenty. Yeah, yeah. Um, the prices of the Fuji film varies a lot depending where you get it. But that but that's a good average, I think. Right. Yeah, that's what I we're seeing for all the other ones. Calculate a dollar per shot. That's at least for the mini wide and yeah. the uh, mini insects yeah. mini film. Same. So you've got um, how many other cameras that use Instax? You got one, um, two, like like five. For every format, actually. Um, they oh, every format of the film. film. The Instax wide film, correct, and the Fuji Instax mini film. Well, I was really happy to, to see that and back it. I was really excited because my, my, my sort of, uh, what I want to do next year is start shooting more instant film again, go back to that just to like try some different projects and stuff like that. So I was really happy to see that. Yeah, I totally forgot to mention that um, it will be the first camera that can shoot the square film as well as the mini film. So it's Oh, this will take both? Yep, this will come with us another bag that you can exchange and then you can do both formats. Oh really? Okay. I mean that's something I know is an accessory, right? You have to buy that it. That was an add-on for the Kickstarter campaign. Oh it was? Okay, so yeah. so I might get so that? You'll get it. I'll get it overall. Awesome. <laughs> awesome, that's great. Well, that's fantastic. Well I can't wait for this thing to come out. I can't wait to um, give it a shot. I, I don't mean to made a pun there, but you know, anyway. <laughs> but uh, I haven't used an instant camera like this like in a, in a very long time. And I was just over at the Polaroid booth too. So the the new um, the one step yep. too. So I, I think I'm going to be collecting these. So <laughs> no, um, you should do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for thanks for telling us about this, and really uh, congratulations on on this product and uh, uh, all the success in the world, and happy 25th uh, anniversary. Thanks for stopping by. Um, thanks for packing the project. Yeah, and, and, and uh, you, you won't be disappointed. I am not disappointed. No, but, and uh, tell us your name and where we can find you. Um, again, my name is Christian. You can get this either on shop.lomography.com or you can always visit our store in Manhattan on 8th Street, 41 West 8th Street, between 5th and 6th Avenue. Oh, great. I haven't been there yet, so I'll, I'll have to go. But, uh, Come by. Ask for me. I'm always there Monday to Friday upstairs. Oh, oh you're there? Okay, great. Office right there, too. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Uh, so thanks for showing your stuff and uh, thanks for talking. All right, awesome. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you. I am now at the Mac Fun booth, but you're no, you guys are no longer Mac Fun, right? That's right. Uh, a couple days ago, we rebranded the company from Mac Fun to Skyloom Software. And the reason we did that is because we're starting to develop Windows software. Hard to talk to Windows users uh, about a software product from a company called Mac Fun. Well, first of all, you got to introduce yourself. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, you just jumped no, right I, in I there. <laughs> so I'm Kevin LaRue. I'm Vice President of Skyloom Software here in the U.S. And uh, what are you showing here? So we've done a couple of things uh, uh, here at the show. We're introducing our brand new Luminar 2018 software. It'll be out in three weeks. We're shipping in mid-November. But it's a it's a uh, an update to our already popular and award-winning Luminar software that shipped late last year. So Luminar software is an alternate for I hate saying an alternate for a Lightroom or something like that, but uh, it's a photo processing software. So Lightroom is an all-in-one photo editor for, for everyone from uh, consumer, casual photographers to the working pro. And uh, when you want to compare it to other software products, I like to, uh, particularly the Adobe Suite, I like to I liken it to it being sort of a mashup between Photoshop and Lightroom with a little bit of, of uh, our secret sauce on there. You know, MacFun's got a long history of, of developing photo software. It goes back to 2008. So, um, you know, prior to Luminar, we had we had a, a, a large suite of products that were each individual. We've cherry-picked the best parts of those, brought it into a, a brand new, modern, fresh interface, and uh, it's a great platform for any kind of photographer. So Luminar is specifically just for processing, or is it also digital asset management as well? Right. So think of Lightroom. Uh, sorry, think of Luminar as a power develop module for Lightroom. Tons of processing power, uh, creativity, image correction. The, the digital asset management or the organizational side of things is something that we've announced we're working on. So uh, if you have a Lightroom managed library or an Aperture managed library, you're going to want to run our software as a plug-in to those tools. Um, in 2018, we'll introduce our digital asset manager and we'll, and we'll give it out to our existing Luminar users for free as a free update. So explain to me the, why would I want to choose your software, say, over Adobe's? 
Um, just give me that little pitch for a second, because uh, I'm a longtime user of Adobe, but lately I've been kind of unhappy with the way things are going. Um, and so, you know, it's obviously a big change for me to say, well, I'm going to say move away from what I'm going to consider something else. Right, to, to, yeah. say, to using your software. So give me that, give me that elevator pitch. That you okay, that's a, that's a great question. We have gotten a lot here. You know, one of the things I've heard at the show uh, over and over again uh, is that um, people are looking for a buy it once, own it kind of a model. And that's how we've always operated. Pay us some money, we'll deliver our software, you own it, no subscription. So that's that's one thing that people are looking for. The other thing is that, you know, the, the world is crazy today, uh, these days. People don't have a lot of time, and they don't want to spend a lot of time learning how to do something. So our software comes from the philosophy that we want you to be able to edit and get things done in one or two minutes that would have taken you, you know, many more minutes or longer in a Photoshop-style workflow. So we want, to, we want to be able to work where people are comfortable, but I think as time goes on, uh, a lot of Adobe folks will find that our interface intervention, uh, inventions, um, uh, the speed of, of getting things done from start to finish, you know, uh, outweighs you know uh, the love of the tool they had before. And as long as we we help people see the differences and the quality is there, um, you know, folks are asking about non-destructiveness, right? Well, we're a fully non-destructive image editor, um, and and that, that's a head scratcher for for some folks. But we're operating just like Lightroom or Photoshop in that regard. You edit images, you save them natively in Luminar, or you export them as TIFFs or JPEGs or whatever. Do you have, um, like if I wanted to demo the software, do you guys have demos that I can try without having to buy first? Or Yeah, first of all, we've got a 30-day money-back guarantee. The software is uh, pretty affordable as things go. It's $69 for, for Luminar. Uh, 2018, and that's a Mac and Windows version that you get. Uh, we do have free trials on our on our website. Uh, we we have free trials of our previous version right now. We're here, of course, at the show introducing the new one. Again, it'll be out in mid-November, and, and on day one, you'll be able to download a free trial of that software. So this might this might be a slightly tough question, but how there's so many other um, let's say with the Mac industry with software, a lot of them are starting to move to subscription models. Um, what what is keeping you guys in the model of buy once and own it forever? What how how are you figuring that out? Oh, wait, that's a great question. So we have certainly looked at subscription models and. And I've been involved in other companies in my career that had subscription models. And frankly, what it does is it allows you to predict your revenue much more. Uh, uh, and, and who wants to predict the revenue? The shareholders and the bean counters, right? So uh, as, a, as a privately held independent uh, company, we, we answer to no one but ourselves. And that enables us to build a, a profit and loss and a, and a, and a company model that's profitable at, at, at the price points we're delivering. And, and frankly, there's a groundswell, there's an anti-subscription groundswell in some, in some parts. Folks are, are, don't have a problem paying you know, $11.99 to Netflix, but for some reason the, the software, in some ways, some ways the education, training model, I think there's a little bit of a backlash these days. Well, there's part of that being that like, I don't really own what I'm buying. That is the that is definitely the perception, uh, and being locked in because like you know, Adobe shuts something off, or I don't pay for it, and no, I no longer have access to my pictures or any of the work that I've done. So I've got to keep paying. That, that's right, and and uh, you know, I'm not saying that we're sort of tapping into that that you know that uh, uh, contemporaneously, but you know, we've always operated this way. We don't we've never taken any uh, any money. We've been profitable from day one, and we're just. Uh, you know, going about our business, trying to make the best software we can. So uh, let's go back to the software a second. You know, obviously, you can um, process raw files, and do you guys cons consistently have updates for new cameras as they come out? Yeah. So, so how that works is when you buy one of uh, one of our software products, we'll generally roll out four or five updates a year to, to as you say, keep up with raw new cameras coming out, operating system updates. As I said, we run as plugins, so when Adobe uh, CC adjusts something that we need to fix, we can go in and do that. So customers can expect to have three, four, five updates, and those are not just bug fixes. Or sometimes we'll put we'll put you know real new functionality into it. Like I mentioned earlier, when we get the digital asset manager done in 2018, 
we'll push an automatic update down to Luminar that will include that mo that module, if you will. Might, might when you do that have any kind of um, way to uh, uh, transfer from uh, Adobe uh, process to, to your um, digital asset management? Yeah, we're, we're that's definitely a feature requirement of the of the software. And look, Adobe did it when when Apple uh, sunsetted Aperture. You know, they, they saw that opportunity to, to help Aperture users migrate to a Lightroom environment, so they built that they built that translator, I guess. Yeah, because a lot of us have a lot of investment in them. Like oh, I've yeah. got I got something like six hundred thousand pictures in Lightroom. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm like uh, you know, I'm always open to something new. I think I've got your Aurora software that I might have bought from the App Store. Okay. Maybe or I still have the demo. I I don't know yet. <laughs> but I'm seriously looking at other ways of dealing with the overwhelming amount of pictures I have and you know I like Adobe I've been with them for a long time but the subscription model especially this new change with the Adobe CC and Adobe CC Classic yeah the, the I, I'm still a little confused with that myself I uh, it, it sort of broke on the eve of the expo here so I haven't really dived into the whys and wherefores of it all but but I have heard that a fair number of people confused about that this yeah and you guys teased your uh, um, digital asset management software just in, roughly in the same time, right? We, we did. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and, you know, you know, as long as there's more out there, then everybody sort of benefits because we have a lot to choose from. Yeah, it's, that's, I was just going to use the word choice, you know, uh, free choice. Um, there, there are a lot of different software products out there. You know, we want to uh, be the leading alternative. To, to Adobe Software Suite. And we're gonna do that at, at all levels, from an educational standpoint, from a software quality standpoint, a customer service standpoint. We wanna be right there, helping people make better images. Well, I'm gonna wish you all the luck on that. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the software when it comes out. It seems like it's the right price point. What, what are the prices again for it? Yeah, so, so our Luminar product uh, will retail, if you're a brand new uh, buyer, retails for $69. Um, uh, folks that have a current version of Luminar, we have an upgrade for $39, and uh, that'll that'll begin um, uh, November 1st. We'll start a pre-order where those prices are, are in play. Um, our Aurora HDR, we haven't talked about the, our HDR. Right, right, right. Yeah, let's so, touch that, touch into that a little bit. So uh, yes, our prices. So Aurora is a $99 product, uh, $89 uh, here at the show. Um, we just released that about uh, four weeks ago um, because we're you know. Uh, we're crazy at the end of the year. You know, if there's not enough going on with the show, we're shipping new products. So, Aurora HDR is an award-winning tool. It's in its third iteration. It's now Mac and Windows. As you might might be aware, we work with uh, uh, renowned HDR photographer Trey Ratcliffe on the software to design it. I think the first version was was a lot more of his workflow and his his style. This new version, you know, uh, while it still honors that. I think has been really focused on delivering ultra natural results right off the bat. The tone mapping algorithm was rebuilt. We've got a great little dodge and burn tool in there now. The presets are dialed back a little bit. The interface is very smooth and clean and fast. Um, so we wanted people like architectural photographers, real estate guys, um, you know, as well as the landscape artists, just everybody in between to be able to use this tool without hesitation. We also optimize the tone mapping algorithm for single image exposure because a lot of people, you know, they're, you know, they, they, they understand HDR, but they don't always shoot for it. They might have a great image, but it can benefit from being edited in an HDR tool if you want to bring out that drama and the, the color a little bit more. Um, like I said, I don't think I own it. I can't remember if I bought it. I might have done the demo on it because I'm... We can take care of that. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's where's get the credit your, card. the credit card? <laughs> well, I might. I might. Um, uh, if, if there's a show special, I think I might take advantage of this. So. Well, it's great. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, thanks a lot for spending time with me, and I really wish you luck. And I like I like to say that there is this, you know, space for everybody, you know, and we're not here about dissing, you know, Adobe or anybody. Like, one thing doesn't fit everybody, like you said. No, I mean, clearly Adobe's got a 30-year-plus legacy of Photoshop. Lightroom is the acknowledged, you know, leader in that in that world. But, you know, where, where I think in many ways they focus on the top of the pyramid, you know, we want to be a tool that anybody can use. Um, uh, comfortably and quickly and easily. So, uh, I, like you say, there's room for, for everybody in the marketplace here. Do you have a name for the new software that's coming out? Well, it'll be Luminar 2018. Oh, a name for the, for the asset manager? Yeah, yeah. No, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> so if I think of something, can I send it to you? Absolutely, and we'll give you credit in the about box. Okay.
Uh, tell me your name again and where we can get in touch with you. Sure, my name is Kevin LaRue. I'm with MacFun. Uh, you can get a hold of the company uh, generally at macfun.com, that's M A C P H U N.com, or Skylum. Dot com. Sky, sky Loom, right? Skyloom. Skyloom, like luminosity, right? Exactly, exactly, like luminosity, luminar, right? S-K-Y-L-U-M.com. Thanks for spending some time with me and uh, being on the show. I appreciate it. I am uh, with Paul Russo of MyCaseBuilder.com. Okay, tell me what you got. Uh, we are the only company that you can log on and design custom foam for any container, put any object in it, and design the whole thing from your computer at home. And how do you do that? Like, how do I uh, custom design something for a certain kind of camera? Well, if it's a stock camera, we already have the shape in our, our library. So you would just log on and, and look for your, your make and your model, and the template is already there. However, we can't possibly put every single camera that exists in there, and many of them are uh, uh, collective uh, pieces, a special lens, a special uh, light or something. So if there's a piece of equipment that we don't have, you take a picture of it, you turn that picture into a PNG, you upload it to our program online, it will automatically trace it, and then you give us two dimensions, how long the object is at its longest point, and how deep in the foam you want it to go, and you can literally create a custom cavity in foam from a picture. So we're designing the foam, but we already need to have the cases? You do need, generally speaking, the foam goes into some container, usually a case, it could be a trunk of a car, it could be a closet, it could be uh, the glove compartment, it could be anything. Um, sometimes we do drawers, we do uh, closet uh, floors, uh, we do the back uh, flatbeds of trucks. So whatever you need to uh, contain objects in, protect them in foam, that's where we put it. Anything with dimensions. And what's the... Uh What's a typical turnaround time for something like this? For a typical case or uh, average size, it would be about 10 business days, when you place your order to when it was shipped from New Jersey. Uh, if it's a larger item, like the flatbed of a truck, give us th uh, three weeks. Yeah, well, I don't have a flatbed truck. <laughs> but um, I'm thinking that there's a, a good um, option for using this, when you said drawers, so like when you're trying to store something in cabinets and keep it protected. So you obviously want the inner measurements of the drawer. But that seems to be a good use of it, too. Uh, absolutely. And it's a very simple thing to do because the dimensions are length, width, and depth. So you just need to know how to use a ruler or a, um, a tape measure. Uh, when you, you, you're talking about drawers, we uh, do a lot of drawers for lenses, uh, camera chassis, guns, and uh, tools. So that is primarily the uh, draw use of the foam. Uh, flatbeds of trucks, primarily guns. Um, but uh, cameras, they will be in drawers, cases, uh, backpacks, all, uh, pretty much anything that you can stick a, a camera in, people are going to put foam in. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a good way to organize your equipment when you get back from a shoot, because usually someone like me, I might leave it in my bag sitting around, and then i got to search for it. So the idea of having... Uh, sort of a customized soft place to put it and, and, and store it away so that you know where it is. A dedicated place for the equipment, which also works as an inventory because you, know, you show up and you've got your, your foam with all of the objects in it and then when you've done your job, when it's time to leave, you can see what you brought and, and what you, you know, don't have at that moment. So you know immediately, oh, I, I left that lens somewhere or that, that, that uh, power pack is someplace else. Let me ask you, if you, um, I, I'm, the pieces I'm looking at, you've got, uh, I don't want to take a picture of this to show everybody, but you've got like five slots in there. Is there sort of a limit to how much you can put in? Do you guys help guide the person who's going to design and say, well, you can't put everything in there because you need a certain amount of space between? Do you guys help in that design? Absolutely. We've got an 800 number that people can call while they're working online to uh, answer questions like that. Uh, but uh, the answer to that question is actually very simple. The distance between two objects should be as much as you can afford. Uh, people try to overpack a case sometimes which thins out the walls in between and defeats the purpose of the, the foam, which is to protect and organize. So uh, in that regard, you know, the answer is as much space as you can afford to put in there, that's what the foam is for. 
Now, the, this one I'm looking at, what would, what would that cost, roughly? This is one with the five slots for the lenses. Uh, this Ballpark. Uh, okay, uh, I'm going to say that uh, three-quarter piece, which is in a, a, uh, a case that's uh, about, what, eight inches deep, uh, we're talking about maybe $60, $70 fully uh, designed. Uh, what, what you're also looking at here is uh, an example of different uh, inserts for the same case that have different equipment. So they can store on the shelf and be completely clean and safe in the, the uh, insert, and then you decide what you're taking that day. What, inf what, what equipment do I need this day? I uh, need this one? No. I need that one. So you can store these separately nice, nice someplace and then you're, you're ready to go. Right, and only need one case for all of your work. Today it's taking this equipment, tomorrow it's taking different equipment. Oh, that's really cool. So any, you're talking about anything, so like audio equipment, we can do any kind of... Any yes, kind of we do. We do audio equipment, radios, uh, uh, machine parts, telescopes, microscopes, uh, a lot of guns, I gotta say. Uh, and uh, various machine parts. I mean, sometimes uh, machines are disassembled and different parts are put into different cases, shipped to the new location, and then reassembled. Oh, that's really cool. Well, what's your name again, and where, where, where can I find you? You can find me at uh, mycasebuilder.com, paul at mycasebuilder.com, or uh, those phone numbers. Great. I like how you got. I'm, I'm slumming it downtown. Okay. <laughs> I like how you grabbed me as I walked by. You saw the mic, and I was like, "Oh, that's very good." Well, but, any stage. I'm, I'm no, that's good. That's great. That's great. I didn't ever. Um, I wasn't thinking of uh, of this as something that would interest my audience. But now that I'm talking to you about it, and like organization and keeping things clean. Um, then I'm seeing I'm seeing a way that this would work. So, and there's a lot more options. I don't want to take up your time talking about them, but there's a lot of different solutions to problems that uh, some of your audience may be experiencing and don't know how to solve yet. They can talk to us, and you know, as far as if it's equipment or work related or even uh, uh, avocation, drones or something like that, we have a lot of solutions already. Yeah, the drones, that's an interesting uh, solution. I didn't even think about that. But anyway, thanks for your time. I appreciate the, you. The, the, the talk. So uh, that's it. Okay, have a good show. So some final thoughts from the floor of the photo expo at the Javits Center in New York City. Uh, I did get a chance to walk around and look at some stuff for myself, but I'll tell you I went in to the Nikon booth and checked out the new Nikon 850. Very large camera, very expensive camera, very, very professional camera. Uh, if you're in that business or if you need to get a new camera like that and you have the money, it's an incredibly nice camera. It's got um, probably more features than I can even possibly think about and probably some that I couldn't even understand. And I am still a Nikon guy. I still have Nikon gear that I use for jobs. Uh, I, you know, I'm also a Fuji guy as well, but I still have my Nikon stuff. And, uh, you know, if I was going to buy a new Nikon camera, I think that uh, if I could afford it, I, that 850 really looks pretty smart. You know, it can do really good stills, and the video looks incredible. And it is a uh, workhorse camera. I would say it's a new flagship camera. But uh, definitely suggest looking at that. I did also get a chance to look at the Nikon D7500, and that was more in my price range for a camera that uh, would be a pretty good upgrade grade to my D7000. Um, I've heard some mixed reviews about it, maybe mainly because they only have one media slot instead of two and a few other things, but it does look like a decent upgrade for the kind of work that I would do. I do use it as a video camera. So this new one does shoot uh, high definition video, super high def video, 4K. You know, that's the, that's the buzzword these days. But uh, I was looking at the prices and it does seem like it's an affordable camera. And I'm still a Nikon guy. So I would definitely consider it. I didn't get a chance to go to the Canon booths or the Sony or even Olympus. I would like to have checked out all their cameras. Remember, you know, we're all about every camera that works for you. you know, I, I'm not just a Nikon guy, I'm a Fuji guy as well. But uh, I didn't get a chance to do that. But I was at the Fuji booth and I did check out some of the other cameras that uh, I would like to get from Fuji. Uh, I did check out their new medium format camera, which was quite large and not much bigger than the Nikon D850. 
uh, certainly a lot more expensive and file sizes are large. It's definitely geared towards the professional market. It is not as sexy, I would say, as the other Fuji cameras. Um, certainly something that you might have in a studio or if you're a, a landscape photographer, you're not there to show off your, your camera around your neck, you're there to get a job done. Um, but uh, it did look like a really powerful camera. Uh, it did take a long time for pictures to show up on the screen after you photographed them. So it was certainly not something you want to you know, take where you have to look at your uh, screen very fast. It's, it seems more like a, a slower camera, which maybe we're, some people are into. But uh, it's, a, again, another expensive camera. You know, photography is expensive. So all this gear is very hard to make. So I don't know why I keep bringing up, bringing up prices. Because <laughs> maybe because I'm just more money thinking about money these days. So, you know, expensive cameras are expensive cameras to me. But that being said, uh, the other Fuji camera I'm interested in is the X-T2, which also does have a seemingly good video capabilities. I'm not only about video, but I do do that as well as another job. And, uh, you know, it's a more DSLR-shaped camera. It's not sort of for the street as well. But that looked like a nice camera. It seemed like a very nice... Uh, the viewfinder seemed really bright, you know, looking through it. So, I mean, there's so much more gear here that I could be talking about. But, uh, you know, you, you guys only have a limited amount of time, and so do I. So, anyway, that's my extra view of the floor. So that's it from the floor of the Photo Expo until next October, when I'll be going to the one in 2018 at the Javits Center. And I'll, uh, you know, hopefully find more fun vendors to talk to and uh, share that uh, with you guys. I hope you all enjoyed this. Um, I'd like some feedback if you guys like this kind of show. Uh, please let me know in uh, either the show notes or on iTunes or, you know, you know, send us an email at, uh, you know, info at switchtomanual.com and, you know, just give us some feedback about how you like the, you know, me going around interviewing people uh, for, you know, during the photo expo and uh, if there's things that I missed or, you know, just general thoughts. So, that's it. And uh, I was able to get out two episodes this October, which is our goal is to get two episodes per month out, uh, generally towards the middle of the month and uh, towards the end of the month. And I think, uh, look, at I reached that goal. We had one in the middle uh, of October and then we have this one. So thanks a lot for hanging in with us. And if you want to, uh, oh, actually, I want to, I just want to finally thank uh, all the people who uh, joined us in the podcast and in the episode and allowed me to interview them. Uh, it's a uh, uh, Ken Shung and uh, from you know uh, photographer and educator and uh, Rich Gallagher from uh, the Polaroid Pop and Christian Polt from Lomography. Uh, Kevin Larue, vice president of um, Mac Fun now called Skylum, and finally uh, Paul Russo of my case builder. Uh, thanks to all of you for uh, allowing me to interview you guys for the podcast and and share what you guys are doing with the the rest of my audience. So I really appreciate that, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun talking to all of you. And I was uh, hope to see you guys next year. So that being said, uh, you can find us at our website, which is switchtomanual.com, and we're also on Facebook. We like Facebook, so just look for uh, Switch to Manual on Facebook. We like to keep the discussions going there. Also, we're on Twitter and Instagram at switch the number two manual. So switch to manual. You can check us out there. And what else? Oh, um, we would like you guys to uh, perhaps thinking about helping support the show out a little bit. It's a you know it's a, something we're doing out of love, but we and we're not trying to make a profit out of it. <laughs> and um, but you know we could use a little help with the. Uh, with the uh, hosting costs and whatnot. So, you know, we put a little tip jar on the uh, Podbean page and on the uh, show notes page where you can uh, drop some bucks in to uh, PayPal if you want to give us a coffee or a beer or help us out a little bit. So we'd appreciate that. Uh, also, if you also want to support us, we do a portfolio review. So if you would like your pictures reviewed by a couple of professional photographers and get some uh, feedback on them well you can check out our portfolios page on our website and we have uh, many different tiers you can also try us out for free if you'd like give us one shot try but uh you know if you would support the show out by uh, allowing us to uh, support your uh, excuse me to um review your portfolio give you a little bit of a critique so uh, check us out there let's see what else um I think that might be it, you know. Oh, you know, if you listen to us on iTunes, we really, really, really appreciate 
you giving us some uh, feedback and some readings that would help uh, make us more popular. Our our goal is to get more ears on this show. So tell your friends about us, share us through all your social networks. And, you know, you guys can help out in that way, too. You don't have to give us a tip, but you could certainly spread the word for the Switch to Manual podcast. We'd really appreciate that. And I think that might be it. I'm looking around. I don't see anything else to tell you guys. Um, we'll probably be coming back in mid-December. Uh, sorry, mid-December. <laughs> I just missed a whole month there. Uh, Mid-November and uh, the end of November, we're going to probably be having some uh, interviews with people. I'm looking at lists and stuff like that. i got a few people in mind. So uh, keep an ear out for that. And uh, we will see you in episode 64. So thanks for hanging out with me tonight. And, uh, you know, I will say see you later. And uh, for Tom, adios. Adios.